We're in a series called Get On Board. And um, if you weren't here last week, you, you, you missed my favorite sermon I've ever preached on money. Uh, and I want to say this, I think, I think the Holy Spirit hit the bullseye on the heart of this church last week. It is evident over the course of seven days that many of you got it that didn't have it. Now, I hope, I hope if you weren't here last week, you're curious right now as to what the heck we talked about with money. Um, and I want to encourage you, if you weren't here, you can listen to the audio. You can watch the video that broadcasted on Thursday. I want to encourage you. It will, it will help you clarify and clear up every misconception you have biblically and doctrinally about money and giving. Everything that was created in your mind from a religious perspective or that some TV preacher may have ruined for you or something that was toxic and poisonous that you heard down the road, I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, you need to listen to what we talked about, about getting on board with what God says regarding money. And uh, we had some powerful visuals even had $10, $20 bills that went in circulation. And um, we, we saw God do some great things for us here last week. And I'm excited about continuing this idea of getting on board. If you got your Bible, go to Luke, Luke chapter 5. Let's start this conversation that we're going to have today with, with a scripture that helps set the framework for a few of the things that I want to talk about with you. Stay with me. I promise you, I promise you, I'm going somewhere this morning. All right? Luke 5, one of my favorite passages from the book of Luke. The Bible says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now, I'm not real smart, but you can't catch nothing being outside the boat. And I'm not real clever, but I would assume if you're washing the nets... You're done throwing the nets. If, if you're washing the nets, it's because you don't plan on another fishing expedition. All right? They're washing the nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. Now, we're going to learn later that Jesus surnames this guy and calls him Peter. Jesus gets into one of the boats. And he looks at this fisherman, he looks at the CEO of this fishing business, and he prays him that he would thrust out a little. He asked him if he would get back in the boat and just push off a little bit from the shore. Just a, everybody do it like this. Everybody do it like this. Come on, just like that. A little. Everybody say little. Just a little. Jesus, Jesus asked just for a, Little. They're washing their nets because they went fishing the night before. And they didn't catch anything. Now, I've always got this story, you know, they're sitting there. There's license plates and boots and cans. You know, in a pile from all the stuff that they caught that wasn't what they intended to catch. And they're sitting there washing the nets, whatever that really looks like, I don't know, but they're washing the nets. And Jesus comes up, and, 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 and I think at this point they've heard of him, but they ain't heard from him. They, they know about him, but they don't know him. And he goes over, wades about ankle deep, and grabs a boat and goes, hey guys, 
let's go back out there again. And they're so intrigued by the audacity of this individual that they, they have become persuaded and convinced to actually get back in the boat and push out just a, just a little. Let's go out just a little. And they go out just a little. Now, now, they're not far. I mean, they're in the shallow end. You know, it's safe in the shallow end. You can still see the floor. Can't drown in the shallow end unless you're an idiot, right? So we're just out here a little ways, right? So he goes into one of the ships and prays him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. We've turned this into a church service with Jesus. He's pushed out just a little bit. He, he, he has a teaching session. I wish I knew what he was talking about. He was probably, probably talking about faith and obedience because he knew what he was about to ask next. Sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Look at this. When he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. That word means for a great catch. He never asked a lot until they did a little. But isn't it like God every time he asks for a little? Get ready. Get ready. Because he's probably about to ask for a lot. I love the fact that Jesus indirectly addressed their failure. Let's call it like it is. You're fishermen who make a living fishing and you went out all night long and you fished and you caught zero fish. And Jesus refuses to act like it didn't happen. So he gets in the boat with an agenda. God's always got one. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. He gets in the boat and he goes, let's go out a little. And they go out a little. And after I believe he had a little conversation about faith and obedience, he looked at old Simon Pete and he said, let's launch out into the deep. Because let's be honest, you can't catch nothing with a little. We got to catch something with a lot. We ain't going to catch, what, what you need and what I want to do with you, we ain't going to find it sitting right here in need deep water. What I want to do with you is going to cause some deep faith, some deep obedience, some deep action. And Jesus addresses their failure by getting them. Now see, the shore represented where they gave up because this is where they've picked out all the license plates and the boots and the cans, and this is where they're counting the cost of their failure. This is where they're washing the nets. And Jesus says, I gotta get you as far away from what represents failure as possible, and that will cause me to challenge the very place where you felt like you could not produce. And Jesus pulls them away from the shore. I wrote this down. God told me to tell you this. Satan would have you believe that every one of your failures is huge and insurmountable and that every victory does not matter and it's not that big of a deal. Is that not true? That when you and I fail or we come up short, whether as an individual, a family, a marriage, or a church, or a ministry, that when we fail, all the devil wants to do is make that thing look bigger than God, bigger than our future, bigger than our next opportunity and make us feel like it's insurmountable and unable to overcome. Yet when we get a victory, the devil is quick to perch on our shoulder and say, that doesn't really matter. That's not really progress. That's not that big of a deal. When the reality, the opposite is true. When you do fail, I want to tell you there has never been a failure in your life that is insurmountable. There has never been a failure in your life that defined who you were and what God wanted to do in your life. You are not defined by failure because with God, failure is not final. So I want to say to you that every time you get a win, every time you win a battle, every time you win a war, every time you overcome trials and temptation. Every time you make it another day to say another thing 
to walk in more victory. It is a bigger deal than the devil wants you to believe because you're making progress. You're still on your feet. You've still got your breath and you've still got your faith. I wonder if anybody in this room knows what I'm preaching over the fact that failure is not final and I live to fight another day. God is not defined by my failure and neither am I. And it is a very big deal when I win. It is a very big deal when we succeed. So here Peter gets on board and trusts God for a little. But that was a ploy to get him to launch out in the deep and trust God with a lot. Jesus said, let's go out into the deep, watch this, and let's do what you did before. Let's do it again. But I've already tried that, and it didn't work like I thought it was going to work. And Jesus says, let's do it again. But I've already tried that, and it didn't happen like I thought it was going to happen. And Jesus says, let's do it again. But I went out there and I gave it my best and I feel like we came short and I feel like we failed and Jesus stands on the bow of the boat and he says, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Enter the conversation I want to have as a pastor with this church family. There's something that we need to do again. I don't want to assume that this entire room at 9.30 or later here at 11.30 is completely in the know as to the history of this church at this location. I don't want to assume that everybody knows the story because over the last year, over the course of 2020, I'm looking around the room right now and there are a lot of new faces that I don't want to assume you just in the know on how we got here and where we're at. But over the last couple of years, we've tried to buy a portion of this shopping center. It's went everywhere from buying what we're in, buying down to the corner, buying from around the corner, and it's been a continual tennis match and conversation that we've had back and forth with the owners. As many of you know, We endeavored to buy a portion of this property. The offer, the opportunity was on the table. We took hasty action. We raised $200,000 collectively. That door again shut in our face to purchase this property. We've looked at, I have studied LoopNet. I have studied the Georgia MLS until my eyes are rolling in my head. I've looked at every piece of property. I've looked at everything that looked like an erected structure. I've looked at everything that looked like a blank slate that we could build on. There is absolutely nothing available by way of buying land and building a building. We've had this conversation, for those of you that didn't hear it, to buy land and build what we would want, you're looking at six or seven million dollars. Okay, that's, and that's normal. That's not, that's not like just a here thing, that's a normal thing. I want you to know there was a conversation started over the course of this year again where the door was looking cracked open about this piece of property again. And I want to stand up here and I want you to hear this from me, that the door to buy this piece of property is as closed as it's ever been. Just to give you some minor details that you may want to know, if we were to buy this piece of property, we would be part of what's called a condominium deal, where we would be shareholders in 25% of the property. What that means is, later on down the road, if the owners of this property were to do, if somebody did something up here at the Pottery and they did a huge upgrade of this shopping center, and and I'm not talking about filling the holes, I'm, I'm talking, you know, that stuff you feel like you're going to fall off into hell in when you go through it. I'm, I'm talking about a, a legit upgrade of the property. 
And if it was $500,000, we, we could be responsible for 20, 25% of that bill. And, and we, would, we would, to an extent, be under the thumb of the ownership of this property, even though we would own our own portion on the back end. For the longevity and the realistic opportunity our church has in the future, that handicaps and handcuffs us. And I don't believe that is the will of God for our church. I don't believe that that door is a door that we're supposed to walk through. I believe God's locking it shut. Now, what does that mean? Presently, that just means what it's meant for us a while. But I want to reiterate that to some of you who may not know. That means we're month-to-month tenants. That our lease here is, is month-to-month. And so, what, what that really means for us in this conversation is this. It's the same thing it's meant before. That if something drastic was to happen and they were to sell this piece of property or they were to find a better tenant, that we would have 60 days to find a home. Now, again, just to put that in realistic terms, that puts us in an emergency situation. Now, if you're in an emergency situation and you have to make an emergency decision, that decision is going to be the wrong one. If we're having to make an emergency decision to that degree and caliber, it's going to be the wrong one. But we have another opportunity. We have a new opportunity. Over the course of the last 12 months, and here again very recently, another conversation has evolved in such a positive way, and it's a conversation and it's an opportunity about a local piece of property that I want to talk to you about. And so, to introduce it to you, I want you to watch this with me, and I'll tell you what we're looking at. Now that's exciting. That's real exciting. So let's talk about this. This is the old Bilo in downtown Commerce. This is about three and a half miles away from where we sit right now. This property is 7.17 acres. The facility is 44,000 square feet. There's 225 parking spots available on this piece of property. And the middle space is a large rectangle of almost 18,000 square feet. So let me give you a rundown of things to know and consider about what we are looking at right here. Because this is a church-wide conversation that we're all going to have together. Something you need to know, Southside Church was going to launch their commerce campus right here. Now, this was, that was over a year ago, and there were some things about that opportunity for them presently, and this was not their, this is not their original location, this is the second location they were launching. And it was not an ideal opportunity for them at the time, that door shut. And Southside ended up launching their commerce campus right here behind Quick Trip in the shopping center adjacent to us. Now, here's one of the things that God has done. While we were doing our due diligence on this piece of property and raising some emergency capital, Southside was working through all the negotiations and all of the architectural plans and all of the drawings and all of the build-out and all of those things at the same time. 
I've had several conversations with Pastor Jeff Williams from Southside about this piece of property. Some of the gentlemen on their board have been more than helpful, and the actual general contractor that built out their original campus had plans for this campus and built out the one across the street has been completely transparent on all the information regarding the floor plans, the build-out process, everything that needs to happen to this piece of property. And they, they have been, listen to me, they have been what God designed a church to be. They're not being greedy. They're not holding on to stuff. They're... Churches are playing in the sandbox together is what I'm trying to tell you, okay? So a lot of the, a lot of the legwork has, has been done for us. This can be our home. I, I want you to get that in your head today. This can be our home. Church, this is the best opportunity that we have ever had on the table. It is the best opportunity that we have right now. Look, the building is a better fit than what we have right now. The ceilings are much higher, allows us the opportunity to build out an auditorium the way it was supposed to be built out. We're actually able to, to, to maximize the, the footprint, footprint of the space because it's a large rectangle instead of a banana-shaped layout. <laughs> We, we've, got, we've got a couple thousand, several thousand square feet that are somewhat wasted because there are certain spaces where you can't do much with them, so it's kind of wasted space. And so this footprint allows us to maximize the square footage in a way we're not able to do it here. The owners of this property have played ball with us by negotiations in three months more than the owners of this property have in three years. They're kingdom-minded individuals. They have negotiated. They have come way down. They've, they've, they've allowed us to have a lot of wiggle room in the negotiations and the discussions. We've got better estimates right now on what needs to happen with that piece of property than we ever had on what could or should happen here. In fact, there are no drawings on this piece of property. We would have to pay an architect uh, between fifteen dollars and $20,000 just to get us to base level of knowing what we could do here. Here's one of the most beneficial things I want you to hear corporately. The shopping center has tenants in every space except for the middle space, which means if we own the property, the rental income offsets the cost of our mortgage. I, I want you to hear that for what it is. On the average, we fork out over $4,000 a month right here to rent as month-to-month -month tenants. There, the rental income would offset our mortgage. It would be like paying no rent. I want you to let that sink in for a second. Look, y'all put it back up there. Put it back up there for me. This property, this location, it doesn't fit in to the vision of new grace. It furthers, it multiplies, it launches the vision and the mission of new grace. Look, we can do so much at this location, okay? We could have a bigger auditorium that's actually laid out the right way. We can maximize the square footage for our children's space. We can have a designated area for students. We can have a production office for many of the things that we're doing in recording that can be designated 100% to what we're putting out online and, and publishing to the world. It increases our budget for pouring back into the community locally, nationally, and globally. In fact, we've already, we've already made some drastic adjustments for our GO budgets, which is our outreach for 2021. But at this piece of property, with how it balances out, we're able to pour even more money back into the community to bless and serve people. The Boys and Girls Club is right across the street. Like, we're, we're taking our staff down there, and, and we're feeding all of those kids Thanksgiving dinner in two weeks. But if we're right around the corner, I serve drops 30,000 pounds of food in the parking lot of Lanier Tech right down the road. The CEO... The ministry director of iServe, his name is Jeff. Right now, he's got a tiny staging area in Brazelton, Georgia. 
All of his ministry focus is, is, is out this way into commerce, the east side of Athens. But he's got everything crammed into a small space over in Brazelton, Georgia. I, I would love to see over time for him to be able to do that kind of thing in this piece of property and us be a staging area for the headquarters of a ministry like that to explode into the community locally and us have a hand directly in that happening and being possible. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Banks Crossing is not where people are, it's where people go. Right? Let's be where people are. Let's be in the middle of the community. Think about it. Owning property right here in downtown Commerce, it makes New Grace shareholders in the community. It exists to serve and reach. And this is what the start of doing more than one New Grace location looks like. You go to the community, you plant in the community, and when we, when we have this solidified and God blesses this, we go to the next community and we do it again and we do it again and we do it again. This is real to me. The whole thing will be ours. Therefore, if there's a sinkhole the size of Saturn, we can fill it. <laughs> it's got a new roof just put on it. I can't tell you how many times I've walked in here during monsoon season and there's buckets everywhere and we, and we thank God get it cleaned up and plugged up before y'all show up. We've had equipment ruined before. I mean, I'm not going to go into all the details of what rain has done to this place. You remember how I preached that crazy sermon one, one time on uh, uh, being a rainmaker, making it rain, and then God flooded out back? Y'all remember that? We, we were, he didn't flood New Grace, but we were six feet from being out back without back. I mean, it was that close. Are you hearing me? What, what's, it, what's it mean if, if we owned something like this? We can make it nice. We can make it good. It can look like it's supposed to look. It can be, it can be, it can be our home. This is the opportunity. This is a door that is open before us. So let's have the other half of that conversation that everybody's leaning in on. That's the opportunity. What is the need? Well, because we did our due diligence last year, Thinking that we were going to be walking through a door like this, we raised $200,000 and we have every bit of that. We haven't, we haven't touched that. We would never touch it because it's reserved for going forward into the future of our church and securing a home. So we have currently $200,000. And that's not including the general fund of what we have in the bank, but we have $200,000. If we want to acquire this piece of property with a loan to build out the middle space and to furnish it, we need $600,000 more. To buy it, to build out the middle, and to furnish it, we need $600,000 more. Now, I want to be very realistic about something. We do not need to sit around here and kid ourselves that we can walk through a door when it opens with $200,000. There is no hypothetical situation that has existed yet or that will exist tomorrow of where we can sit around with $200,000 and not take action and go, God will open a door. God doesn't always work that way. Sometimes God's like, hey, I want to see you take action, then I'll open a door. And I believe because we took action... I believe because we took $200,000 worth of action, I believe God is opening a door a little. And I believe if we go out in the deep together sacrificially, I believe that God will open the door a lot. We have an opportunity. We have a need. So let's have this talk. Do you want to do this? I do. I want to do this. 
I believe in this. I see it. But this has to be a we thing. The government's not going to send us a check for this. We're not going to go dig a hole somewhere and find a, a jar with money in it, unless it's one you brought from your backyard. <laughs> this piece of property and this building, it's, it's not just for new grace, it's for people. Somebody better help me. It's for people. And they don't know it yet, but they need this place. And they need new grace. Think about it. People need a place to worship. They need a place to hear the gospel. They need a place to be delivered and saved. They need a place where they can connect with other people who are going the same direction. They need a place to find friends and find family, a place where they can give back to the very community the church exists to serve. Place where people can have purpose and feel like they matter, feel like they actually belong, where they can get help, where they can grow. This is supposed to be the mission and the headquarters for that mission. See, everyone in that community and every surrounding community needs that place. They just don't know it yet. I wrote this down. God told me to share this with you. If anyone is going to be able to enjoy the benefits of having new grace at this location, it will be because those who were able to do something did it. If this happens, it's because those who were able to do something did it. A lot of us in this room, we have thought about our retirement. A lot, of this, a lot of us in this room, we've thought about a nest egg. Have you ever considered a legacy? Have you ever considered something that outlives you? Have you ever considered what God's given you wasn't just for you? If God has blessed you financially, don't let it be in vain. Don't let it be in vain. Every one of us that call New Grace home is supposed to do the very best we can about this. Lord, God, speak through me right now. Give me some liberty to speak this. He puts me on every Sunday and lets me be the vessel and his voice. Now, right now, I need him to do it. I need you to hear it. I don't need you to see Derek Anglin. I don't need you to see your buddy. I don't need you to see your pal or the preacher you like. I need you to hear from God on this. We need to do this. We can do this. We should do this. If you believe in this, then we need to do this. The only reason we can even pursue this opportunity is because we actually did our due diligence last year and got us $200,000 down the track. And that's, that's the only thing that makes us a reality. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. Naturally, instinctively, I don't want to have this conversation. No, I'd rather have somebody else get up here and have this conversation. Naturally, instinctively. You know why? Let me tell you why. Because personally... I feel like this is the last big ask that I have in me about this piece of property and this congregation. This is the last one I have in me. I get up here and act like Superman, act like I'm not nervous, I'm not scared. I'm going to tell you something. God has given me a Holy Ghost audacity and a Holy Ghost boldness right now. I am so not worried about what so many of you think, but there's a part of my flesh, there's a part of my flesh that's like, dude, shut up. Don't have this conversation. Just play it safe. Wait and see. We're not supposed to wait and see when the door is open and God is going, it's time to go out into the deep. I brought you out a little. You were obedient with a little. Now it's time to step out and do a lot. If you didn't give last time, you should now. And if you did give last time, you should again. If you're on board with what God is doing in this church, here's the bottom line. I want you to go home, 
and I want you to figure out the very best you can do, and I want you to bring it to God. Go home and have two, two talks. One is a closet talk. It is where you go and you get with God and you let him, you let him tell you what to do. You don't go in there and negotiate with God. You go into the closet and you pray and you ask God what he wants you to do. And you talk, if you're married, you talk to your spouse and you have God get both of you on the same conversation in the same page. You have a closet talk, you have a table talk. Go home and figure out the very best you can do and bring it to God. On November 22nd, we're going to do a chest of Joash offering. Joash was a king in Jerusalem who saw a need to rebuild the house of the Lord. They made a chest. They set it out before the gate of the house of the Lord. And all the people went out, whether it was selling jewelry, it was selling land, they, they collected their money, they brought it in, and they deposited that money in that box, and they used everything that was put in that chest, and they poured it out, and they used it to fund and fuel the work of God, and they rebuilt the house of the Lord. We're going to do that on November 22nd. There's going to be a big old chest sitting right here. And every one of us, is going to bring our sacrificial faith gift to God and we're going to swing the biggest, boldest bat we've ever swung in the history of New Grace. From personal experience, let me tell you a couple things on how to figure out what it is God wants you to do. It needs to be a faith move, not a financial move. It needs to be unnatural, not natural. It needs to be uncomfortable when you do it. I like what one, what one brother said to me over the course of this week. He said, we need to give till it hurts. It needs to stretch you and it needs to please God. It's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost you anything. See, right now I hope the Holy Spirit is revealing to everyone in this room what we can do and you're thinking on it, you're considering it. Let's be real. We know each other enough to have this kind of conversation. Let's be real. You want me to help you figure out what that uncomfortable, that unnatural, that faith-driven response looks like? When your mind automatically goes to a number, God's got a different one. When you're inclined to go, I can do 10,000, God's going, right, you can do 20,000. There may be somebody here, you can do $100,000. I'm going to let that just sit. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. We already diffused this whole, we can't talk about money in church bomb last week. Right. You're like, well, I wasn't here last week. Well, go home and listen to it so you don't come back mad next Sunday. You know, churches that make this kind of stuff happen, it's because everybody just finally got on board and said, let's do this. We are not, we are not going anywhere with $200,000. So we have to do this either way, right? Should we tell you what the plan was? The plan was, no, no, I'm serious. The plan was Corporately, we've already talked about this, we've prayed about this, we've had this conversation for several months. The plan was to get up here and talk about doing a campaign because we knew we were going to eventually need the money the moment something opened up. So instead of having that conversation with no Bilo, now God's been gracious. I'm able to have that conversation with a Bilo in the picture. I was about to have to get up and have that conversation with y'all without anything attached to it. So now I'm able to actually get up here with a little bit of confidence and go, well, for three years we've been saying, stay with me, I'm going somewhere. Well, that's where we're going. If you want to go there. I want to say, stay with me, I'm going somewhere when I'm in the middle of a sermon, not talking about property. We can go there, a free chapel can go there. I'm serious, it's a matter of time. 
If I was Jensen Franklin, I'd keep dropping one every 20 miles. I would. If I, could, if I had what they had, I'd continue to put the presence of God embodied through that church everywhere I could. Or Andy Stanley's going to find it. Somebody else is going to go there. There is nothing wrong with us being right here and Southside being right there. If there was one of us on every corner, we still wouldn't have enough to reach every lost, blinded soul. We got time to have that puffed up. Well, what do they think they're doing? Are you serious? People are going to hell and they need Jesus. Let's put them everywhere we can. God Almighty, if there was a church everywhere, there was a gas station. Doesn't bother me. Maybe God's so sovereign that he had an experienced, grounded church with, that's been in existence arguably two or three times longer than we have, do all the legwork for us, then come right here because he knew he was going to shut this down so we could go over there. I can get on board with that. I can give to that. God is asking our church to do it again. Somebody say, do it again. Pastor Jake's going to help me close. If you were a part of that first campaign, whether you gave 500, you gave 2,000, you gave 10,000, I want you to hear something. Your sacrificial obedience is the only reason we're able to have this conversation right now. That's it. Your, your obedience is the only reason I'm having this conversation with you now. Me and Ashley gave very sacrificially. I wish God would give me the liberty to tell you what we did. I don't mean a number, but how it evolved. Because what I wanted to do, I couldn't do. But then God made something happen that put something in our hands at the very last moment that made it possible for us to do what we originally wanted to do. Think about a legacy. I want, you to, I want you to get that property in your mind and I want you to see on Wednesday nights, I want you to see all those kids from the Boys and Girls Club, many of them who are looking for a reason to not go back to their home, to walk across the street and be on our property where we feed them and we give them Jesus. I want you to see that with me. I want, I want you to see God putting our church right there where cultures collide, where different worlds meet where we are literally, we are really literally on the line of those on one side of the tracks and those on the other side of the tracks. I want you to, I, look, I want you to see yourself a little older, a little wrinklier, and a little uglier. But I want you to see our kids leading worship on this stage. I want you to see your grandbabies. I want you to see our future making that home why are they able to do that? Why is all that able to happen? Because those who could do something did it. Because I didn't get greedy with God, because I didn't excuse what he told me to do, and I was, I was willing to release what belonged to him. God is so sovereign. He gave it to you and he gave it to me because he knew this opportunity would come about. Now let's share it. Let's give it. There may be somebody in this room at 9.30 or 11.30 that hears this and the Holy Ghost lay it on their heart and them give half of it. I don't know. I don't have any clue what everybody in this room has. It's not my business. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I do believe if every person in this room that calls New Grace home and believes in what's happening right here, I do believe if you give to the best of your ability by faith, not financially, by faith, I do believe God will touch every other heart and before it's over with, that entire door will open. If you go back to our story, when Jesus said, let's go out in the deep and fish again, you know what Peter said? Look at verse five. Look what Peter said. He's respectful. He says, master, we, we went out there and already tried that and we didn't, we didn't catch anything. But look at this, look at this. We've taken nothing. I love this. Peter did not put a period where God put a colon. He said, we've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. 
My response and your response is this. I will do what God said. What is my response? Do what God said. Override your natural response and say, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll do it again. Verse 6, it says, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And when they came and filled both the ships, they had so much fish, they caught so much that they both began to sink. My response is I will do what God said. Here, watch this. Here's my results. God will do what he said. God will do what he said. They did their part and God did his. I want you to hear this and I'm done. God is looking to pour out abundance and excess. And I feel like he gave me this word for you. God wants to deliver more than was expected and more than is enough. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or even think. So your next step and my next step is let's commit to do this together and let's do what God tells us to do. Now I've got a card. We're all going to respond today. We're all going to respond. I've got a card. Let's set them out. We're, let's go ahead and set them out. I'm going to give you an opportunity to take action with me. I want every one of you that's getting on board with me. We have found our four. We have said we're going to do this for blank. Everybody's got one. Some of you are thinking about your kids. Some of you are thinking about the kingdom of God and the impact it makes in our community. Some of you are doing this for a home. Some of you are going to be doing it for commerce. Some of you are doing it for the future, the next generation. Find your four. And I'm asking you for the next two weeks, I'm asking you to fast. All right, I'm asking you to fast for the next 14 days to give up something important to you. I'm not talking about money. To give up something important to you. Whether, whether, whether that be social media, whether it be Coke products, whether it be Twinkies. God, God may lay on, on somebody's heart to do a Daniel's fast for, tw for 14 days. To eat vegetables and fruits and lentils. No meat. No cheese. No bread. I want, you to, I want you to fast with me for 14 days. I want you to pray. I want you to pray that this opportunity and this door will stay open for us to do this right now. And I want you to bring, everybody say bring. On November 22nd, I want us to walk in here and bring our best gift. Now, just so you know, when you come in here on November 22nd, we're gonna have envelopes on every chair. A lot of you give online, and so you'll, you'll be able to just check on the envelope I'm giving today online. You're still going to bring that gift being represented by that envelope, and you're still going to put it in the chest, even if you gave online. If you're giving check or cash, you check that check mark. You bring it in here. The point is this. We are going to display and demonstrate physically our obedience to God on the 22nd, and we're going to bring him our best gift. We're going to take action. Now, what I want us to do is I want us to get out of our seat.